Hello everyone, welcome to She Heals, it's Steph and Amber here. Um, hello. We, hello, hello. Um, <laughs> today we are going into a little bit more about why we've gotten into kin. So what is our journey, why we offer it now. Um, and today we have a special treat for you guys. We are going into Amber's journey into her own healing, which is phenomenal. It's really, really phenomenal. Um, so Amber, let's get right into it. Are you happy to do that? Let's you do it. Right into it. All right. Beautiful. Absolutely. So what, what is it that made you get into kinesiology? So I know that both of us have very long journeys that kind of led us to finding kinesiology in some unique sure ways. <laughs> um, but I, Basically, the long and the short of it is I had chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia for eight years um, wow. and purely through a bit of desperation and trying a little bit of everything, I found kinesiology and it was the thing and pretty much the only thing that ended up, um, well, curing me. So it felt yeah. like a little bit of magic at the time. And while I was sick, I never actually believed or thought that I could get better at all. Um, so it really did kind of save me, which was. Yeah, changed yeah, your life in a big amazing. way. Changed Can I ask life, a question? I... Yeah, please. Can I ask a question? A question that just came to me. How yeah. did you actually stumble upon kinesiology? Had had you ever heard of it before? No. So I had never even tried anything alternative medicine-wise, anything like that. Um, I had just been to so many doctors, every specialist you could name. I had tried absolutely everything, and I mean everything. Um, <laughs> and just purely through desperation, one night I was just sitting there on Google typing in cures, fibromyalgia, cures, chronic fatigue, and I saw a random sort of article that came up about kinesiology. I really didn't even read what it was about. I was just like, sure, I'll book it. I don't care. I book really me. don't care. I'm going. I'm going. I'll try it all. I don't care. So I went and tried it. And it was actually like a little bit of magic. It was so strange to me. Um where I actually thought my kinesiologist could read my mind when I went there. Oh my for god, the first I had time. the same experience. <laughs> same experience. I was like, kind of a little bit scared. I was like, how does she know this stuff? How um, does she know how I'm feeling? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was it was amazing. I I ended up going to this kinesiologist for a, a few years actually, and. I I loved it. I ended up using it almost as a bit of a tool just to help me process what was happening to me um, because I really didn't know how to get the support that I needed through being chronically ill because there really isn't that much support out there and people don't understand, even your family and your friends don't really understand truly mm -hmm you know, what you are experiencing. And especially if you're kind of, you don't fully understand what's happening to you, you can't process that yourself. So I ended up using that as a tool just to help me understand what I was experiencing. Um, and also to give me a little bit of a bigger picture 
perspective. It gave me something else to think about and, and find interest in that was kind of beyond just my personal experience. It kind of opened me up to, you know, spirituality and all of that kind of exciting stuff. And I, I just found it sort of sparked a bit of a, an interest. Um, and it felt, it felt really weird to me at the time. Cause I, I didn't know anything about this stuff. And I was like, started with tiny little things like, Ooh, crystals, those are cool. Yes. And you know, it just kind of like kept ramping ramping up from there but it was yeah just a way to explore yeah what was happening to me process everything and then also just opened me up to some really interesting things that I didn't know existed um yeah it's almost so, like an opening up of a whole new world isn't it oh absolutely it I had felt the same like, experience yeah it felt like magical it was it was really <laughs> interesting <laughs> but um Awesome. Yeah, so I, I I got sick when I was 19, mm -hmm. um, so I got glandular fever first um, and it turned into sort of post-viral fatigue, um, which is yep. chronic fatigue. So most people will get um, chronic fatigue from a virus or an illness um, where I think it's about of those people who get glandular fever, about 5% of people will then roll into chronic fatigue syndrome. So wow. it's after six months of having an illness or a virus or an infection. It can also be stress and burnout related too. But it's about six months after that initial phase. If you haven't recovered by then, it turns into chronic fatigue syndrome. That's when you get diagnosed with that. Um, but unfortunately, it's very difficult to get appropriate medical treatment so yeah. I didn't get diagnosed for three years it took me three years of kind of wow. essentially battling and fighting with doctors and specialists going to absolutely everyone that you can go to um and people telling me that chronic fatigue isn't a real illness chronic fatigue syndrome is only for crazy people I got told um, I need to stop going on Google and looking up symptoms and telling doctors that I have symptoms that aren't real, um, telling me that I had depression. I just need to take antidepressants. I need to go to a psychologist mm. um, and just being bounced from person to person, being just so dismissed, so unheard. No one can help me feeling so helpless and just really not knowing what to do at all so uh yeah that happened when I was 19 and then yeah I got diagnosed when I was 20 I think I was 22 um so from that point on I started kind of giving up on western medicine I decided that there's yeah. nothing that they can do for me really <laughs> they don't even believe that there's anything wrong with me and you know here I am I'm I'm at home, I can't work, I can't function, I can't sleep. Um, I was so, you know, physically sick, my digestion, I was feeling so sick every single day. The pain was unbearable. Um, and yeah, I had no tools, nothing anybody could give me. There's no medicine, there's no cures. So I discovered that I had to figure it out myself. Um, yeah. And it was, yeah quite a struggle but a really good lesson that you you kind of have to be your own 
advocate. Um, you have to kind of fight for what you know is happening to your body. You can't let people tell you that you're a crazy person and you don't have chronic fatigue because you do. <laughs> and the craziest thing is I actually know of people, like really close mm-hmm. friends, family friends that have gone through the same thing where they've gone from doctor yep. to doctor and they've been told, no, you've got depression or you've got this or you've got that or you're you're making it up. It's actually not yeah. real. Can you kind of give us, for, for people that have never experienced that, I've, I've never had chronic fatigue. Yeah. Can you kind of give us a glimpse into what it was actually like? What does it feel like in your body? It is so... It's so difficult to describe. So yeah. chronic fatigue, so I I had both chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. I kind of use the terms interchangeably because I yeah. was diagnosed with both and they're really, really similar conditions where chronic fatigue is where the fatigue is the more dominant symptom and fibromyalgia is where your pain is the more dominant uh, symptom. Right. So. I kind of use them both because I would just go through phases where I'd be more tired and then I'd go through phases where I'd be more in pain. So they were constantly kind of just moving, you know, moving between the two. Um, that makes sense. But they affect every single system in your entire body. So they're called syndromes because a syndrome is basically a big compilation of symptoms um, with no known cause um, and when something doesn't have a cause they can't really cure it because they don't know why you have it in the first place so there That's isn't right. really a system that isn't affected so sleep you physically cannot fall asleep you cannot get refreshed you mm. are exhausted it feels like you've got the worst flu that you've ever had and it's just like the heaviness the weakness in your body every yeah. single muscle and joint is just like aching with such intense pain your stomach hurts you can't digest food you're not getting energy from your food it's just like oh and the fog in your brain as well it's like you can't think you can't find words you can't talk to people because you're you're trying so hard to listen to what they're saying and using all that brain power to process that by the time you're trying to create a sentence to talk back you're going oh and it's just so horrible it's so just draining and exhausting um but the thing that is I probably found the most challenging is that it's so isolating as well where I wouldn't understand what chronic fatigue is unless I had it I knew of people you know sort of passing through life who had had chronic fatigue and you're kind of like okay like whatever you're a bit tired and it's so much more than that yeah and unless so many people think that exactly it's it's just it really is so debilitating um but yeah the isolation of just being so misunderstood by family and friends um you know it's almost like people think that you're just being lazy. You you want to be sitting at home all the time. You want to be lying down. You want to be doing nothing with your life. But you physically can't do anything. Um, and it doesn't matter how much rest you have. You could lie in bed for the rest of your life and you will never be refreshed. It's never going to be enough rest. Um, even activities, it's one of the 
really kind of main components as well of, of chronic fatigue is it's called post-exertional malaise. It basically means that any activity or any exertion that you do, you have to pay it back. So it's the clinical wow. term is payback. You have to pay back that energy that you used. Your body will feel it. So it's about probably yeah. the next day. It doesn't even matter if it's a tiny little, you know, even for some people, it's like a phone call. It's social energy. For some people, it's physical energy. For some people, it's, you know, it can be so different, but you have to pay back every ounce of energy that you use your body. It's like in this constant you feel deficit, it. you feel it. So it's almost like, why do I want to go and do these activities? If I have to feel, I already feel so horrible right now. Why do I want to do other activities that are going to make me feel even worse than I do right now when I'm doing nothing? So you end up in a really unusual kind of headspace where it's like, I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. Um, and it's just, yeah, really isolating. And it's really quite, yeah, you feel really misunderstood and really quite alone through the experience as well, because it's just so hard to describe um and also you don't really want to have to spend your life explaining to people mm. how horrible you feel you don't want to talk all the time about how much your life sucks it's not fun no. um so yeah i think that's probably the most the most challenging part is just feeling really alone and really quite helpless as well where no one can help you there's no cure there's no fix so what are you going to do? Just nothing. Oh, thanks yeah, so much for explaining that because I think it's it's really difficult for people that haven't experienced it to understand mm. it fully because I've heard so many people say, oh, it's just severe tiredness, but it's it is so much more than that. And yeah. knowing you personally, it is so much more than that, like especially yeah. when we started studying together. Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell us a little bit about – how you kind of like what came up in sessions or how you began to heal. So tell us a little bit about that journey for you. Yes. So I kind of think of it as, as being two components, but they're the same components. So there really was the physical side of things, but there was probably, and you know, as we know and the work that we do now, there's the psychological component and the emotional component of illness and pain and anything that's happening in the body is almost more important than the physical side of things. So for me, that was definitely true. Um, so when I first started going to my kinesiologist, um, I love my kinesiologist so much and I, like, I owe her the world for opening me up to this kind of stuff and introducing me to you know, this world, um, every practitioner works really differently. Um, and on reflection at the time, she probably just wasn't the right practitioner that I needed at that time to kind of push me to explore the more emotional and, and psychological aspects of what I was personally experiencing. So, um, by the time we got to studying, 
um, that was kind of a crazy leap in itself that I decided to, <laughs> to do that because Tell I was... Tell us a bit about that because I, I love this story. I was so sick. I was so sick. Oh. So the the kind of the thing with, with chronic fatigue and fibro is I went through just so many different stages of like months I'd be okay, months I'd be absolutely horrible. It was this constantly evolving illness that you just didn't know what to expect. You couldn't ever plan anything. So I kind of had the, you know, the attitude that I couldn't actually do anything with my life because I didn't know if I was ever, if I was going to get worse. I was always anticipating to have a big flare up, get worse, kind of bottom out. So I never really figured out what I wanted to do. So um, you know, I studied accounting, financial planning, I got my CPA, I did some accounting work and I just couldn't do it. I was doing it part-time for a little while and it was just, it was so challenging. Like I was doing probably like four hours a day, maybe mm. three times a week. And I was, I was for lack of a better word, I felt like I was dying. Like it was just so, it was way You're too just much. wiped. Yeah. I was completely wiped. Um, so I stopped doing that. I pretty much stopped doing everything at that point. So there's no work. I really didn't have anything that I liked doing. I was just like pretty much just sitting at home and then um, kind of trying to summon the energy to socialize with friends, maybe on the weekend mm -hmm. or whatever, because everyone was out living living their lives, going and starting their careers, starting their lives. No one was at home during the week. So I was just at home by myself, uh, waiting till the weekend to hang out with some people and kind of feel like I was a normal person. Um, mm. And then after the weekends, then I'd wipe myself out again. And we just continue this, <laughs> this endless cycle of, um, yeah, just pure exhaustion. Um, and it felt like, yeah, I felt like I wasn't being productive and I felt like I had so much pressure to be productive and be working and not feel like I was being lazy or told that I was being lazy as well. Mm. Um, and I just, that in itself as well means that you can't, you can't fully rest because you feel so guilty. You feel so much pressure. You feel so much grief around just lying on the couch all day and doing nothing. And you feel like you should be doing so much more. People are telling you you should be doing so much more, but you physically can't. So it's, it's like you're having a battle inside your own body, inside your own mind um, about resting and about doing nothing and about your body kind of shutting down essentially. Um, so I was going through big ups and downs health wise. It was the early years were more chronic fatigue. And then over the years that developed more into fibromyalgia. Um, so when it started getting into fibro, I think I started feeling a lot worse. I think that the pain side of things were really quite intense. So I would usually describe my pain as being like an 8.5 out of 10 every single day wow. constantly. But in that, I also realized that my pain scale was extremely off because it was not an 8.5. It was so much worse than that because I would always say it's like an 8.5, but if it gets to a nine, 
A nine means that I'm in bed, I'm crying, I can't move, I'm taking any painkillers that I can see. So a nine isn't really a nine. A nine is so much more than a nine. And that's only like a 10, but a 12 even. And that's like a you know a 0.5 out of 10 increase. That's wow. It doesn't it doesn't add up. So um, I was just constantly at the absolute limit of pain. And if it went up this tiny tiny amount, it was just like unbearable. You can't even describe just how horrible it was. Like it would feel sickening. The pain was so intense. You would feel physically sick it was really horrible um so I was just at that pretty much constantly um so I found that to be yeah the most challenging kind of aspect for me at that time um and I didn't think that it would get any worse until it did and it got so much worse and I never thought it was going to get worse I was like wow this life sucks like wow but we can deal with it until we hit like rock bottom health wise. And so, when was that for you? Like how old so were you I, then? Yeah, I was 25. So that was four years ago. Um, on my birthday, actually my 25th birthday, um, I was just at home. I was making some lunch and I sat down to eat my food and I had like my plate and I picked up my fork and I was looking at my hand And I was like, that is not my hand at all. Like, whose hand is that? It was like, it was like two times the size in completely the wrong place, like in terms of depth. It felt like it should be here, but it was all the way out there. And I started like moving my body around and I, everything was so distorted. And I was like touching my hands and I realized, oh, they're all like, I can't feel that at all. Everything is completely numb. Then I noticed half my body went numb, face was numb. Um, I started kind of blacking out and my brother was the only person home. So I like, I had, I quickly texted him and I was like, I'm passing out. And he came down and I was fully like passed out on the couch. I was like, I can't see. And then I couldn't talk. My, (sighs) my throat was kind of starting to go numb and losing the control of the muscles there. And he was like, okay, we're going to call an ambulance. And so the ambulance came and got me. Um, And it was like, yeah, pretty much like I was having a stroke. They cleared me. They said, you're not having a stroke at all, even though it was the exact same symptom. So the whole left side of my body was completely numb. Um, I was loose. I lost all the muscle control as well through that side. Um, I lost all my vision. So I couldn't see. It started off as this really distorted vision and then you know completely nothing I couldn't see anything for um just hours really um and then at the hospital they were basically like you're not having a stroke and we don't know what's wrong with you so you can go home now and I was like that sounds great I feel really good (laughs) and then and it literally is like all the symptoms almost as a stroke it was the exact same symptoms. Um, and so it took me probably two weeks to start to feel better after that. It was like, I thought I was tired before. I thought I was in pain before. I thought I was like wow. struggling before, but I couldn't, I could barely stand. I could barely walk. I couldn't see properly anymore. So everything was in constant 
motion. Everything was like, it, the only way to describe it is like zooming in and zooming out. So places of your like vision a are constantly. They thought it was vertigo, so I was doing all the tests and having my vestibular yeah. system checked out. It was all fine. It wasn't my eyes either. I went to the ophthalmologist, optometrist. Yeah. It was fine. Every single thing that I had checked out was totally fine, but it's this movement in the vision. It's like areas are bigger, areas are smaller, and it's constantly moving and, like, spinning and horrible. And so when you're, like, I was just at home just trying to pass time by like watching tv but i couldn't watch the movement on the screen anymore because the tv would move so quickly and everything was already moving that mm. it was just so horrible and like physically oh it felt so gross that i just had to stop watching it and i just listened to the tv and just close my eyes and listen to tv all day long um so i was yeah trying to recover from that and then Probably two and a half weeks later, I had another, they started calling them episodes because they were happening a lot from this point. So basically I had like another stroke kind of experience back to the hospital. Um, yeah, nothing's wrong with you. So I had the doctors in the emergency room actually fighting over sending me home because the emergency doctor mm. was saying, we can't send you home. We need to admit you to hospital. And then the specialist neurologist is saying, we can't admit her to hospital because there's nothing wrong with her. Um, and then they're kind of saying, but there is, but there isn't because they can't, they just couldn't figure it out. Um, so I started having these stroke episodes um, and it took me, I think it ended up being almost a year before anyone figured out what they were um and it's basically it's called a type of migraine which i don't think kind of explains the no. severity of the experience no. um but basically it's the main artery in your brain stem um it has a contraction so all of the blood flow to your brain gets cut off and then it completely releases so then it floods your brain with blood oh so it gosh. was having a contraction and then a release yep. a contraction release so i was getting flooded with blood starved of blood flooded with blood starved of blood um and there's no cure for that one either um so i was just dealing with having little strokes um probably every two three weeks um and they take two or three weeks to like recover from recover from it um, and then another one Exactly. My so gosh, I just couldn't Amber. get a break. <laughs> no. And that was when I, I was so, that was absolute, that was the worst I've ever felt. So I couldn't Rock actually bottom. do anything anymore. I couldn't, How was your mental I couldn't health go anywhere. At this point. Horrendous. Oh. Horrendous. But I didn't really have much awareness of mental yeah. health and emotional wellness. I didn't have any awareness of that. So I was kind of, suffering in silence and I didn't have mm. any tools to kind of deal with it either um so I was completely stuck at home I couldn't drive anymore I couldn't go anywhere anymore I could barely walk I couldn't really walk to go and make myself food in the kitchen I was just vertical all day long on the couch like trying not to like go because everything's so horrible um yeah. but when it was the worst it's ever been I remember like waking up in the morning 
and you would look at the clock and you'd be like, okay, it's like 11 a.m. If I can like watch an episode of this TV show, it'll be 11.30. And if I can make it to 11.30, then I can make it to 12. And when it's 12, I can eat some lunch and then it'll be 12.30. And if I can make it to 12.30, I can make it to one. And it was was almost like a countdown. Exactly. The whole day I was splitting into these survivable little increments. And if you can make it to three, you can make it to 3.30. If you can make it to... It was just pure survival. And I'd managed to, like, I'd finally, if I could have a shower, I'd get into the shower at, like, you know, 7.30 at night or even when the sun started going down. And I'd get in the shower and I would just cry like, like... I couldn't believe that I had survived the day, like that I didn't think I would ever be able to survive that day. So by the time that I'd made it to the shower, the relief was so intense that you had survived a day and that you'd be able to go to sleep soon and Mm -hmm. you'd be able to just get a tiny little bit of relief, even though you couldn't sleep very well. If your brain shut off for an hour, you'd get some rest. What an amazing, what an amazing rest. So it was really horrible. So how did you go from that mm -hmm. to studying kin? And like, I know this journey, but yeah. How do you go from that to, to, to getting into the study? It was an unusual process that I took. So (laughs) it was almost like that was for sure rock bottom and it was about trying to rebuild my body at that stage. There wasn't anything that they could really do for me at that time mm-hmm. until um, about a year after having the migraine episodes, um, I finally got on some medication. Um, it was an injection to stop migraines and that completely stopped the wow. stroke episodes from happening. It was wow. like a miracle cure. I didn't really think miracle cures existed, but it felt like a miracle cure at the wow. time. Um, I never recovered my vision, so I still I still have the vision problems today. Everything is in mm-hmm. constant motion, but it's like your brain adjusts over time and it doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, but when I found that medication, it was like, it was like a savior. So when the episode stopped happening, it was like, I finally had a bit of a chance to kind of actually recover. Whereas before I was having an episode, I was trying to recover, have another one. I couldn't catch up. So, um, one of my physios who I kind of owe a lot to, and I love her. Um, I started working with her and she, um, was working with me kind of for, um, gosh, what do they call it? Graded exercise therapy, which is, Mm -hmm. um, in chronic fatigue, it's a little bit controversial because for a lot of people it doesn't work. I had tried it for chronic fatigue and it never worked, um, because the grades and the exercise that they're trying to get you to do often will flare you up and it'll make it a lot worse. So I was working with her and the types of exercises that we were doing, we were trying to basically be able to get me to walk uh for longer than two minutes was like the very first goal so I was working with her I was probably going to her two or three times a week for little mini kind of sessions where we were working on the most tiniest 
little muscle groups that you need to be able to function. You need to be able to stand up. You need to be able mm. to walk. You need to be able to sit in a chair. We were targeting just these muscles so that I could function in real life. Um, one of the most interesting little exercises that she got me to do was to make a goals list as well. Mm. Um, so she wanted me to do short-term goals, so things that I wanted to do within the next six months, things that I wanted to do over the next year to two years. And I said to her, I was like, I don't do goals. I can't plan the future because look at my life. How am I yeah. meant to know what's going to happen? And she said, but just because you don't know what's going to happen doesn't mean that you can't choose or want things or have plans. It, it You can adjust. And I was like, that is so stupid. Like I was so not into that. I was so like goals are so stupid. They're never yeah. going to work for me. So I went along with it. I wrote the little goals list and I was like, fine. Like I want to be able whatever. to walk for like, I want to go and like walk my dogs for like 20 minutes, whatever. Like I want to be able to stand up in the kitchen. I want to make my own food. I want to make my own meals. I want to be able to drive myself in a car again. I just want to go and like do these really simple things. So many things had... that we take for granted, right? Totally. I had these tiny little things and she was like, that's an amazing list. We can definitely achieve that list. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then on my <laughs> long-term list, it was like, I want to be able to work. I want to be able to move out of my parents' house. I want to be able to go and actually start a life. And the long-term goals to me were things that just weren't going to happen in my, in my kind of viewpoint. They just weren't achievable at all. Um, so I kind of thought that the long-term ones were stupid. Maybe we could do something about the short-term goals, you know, perhaps. So I went along with it and I've worked with this video probably for six months. And by the time that we got to, it was kind of Christmas of 2019. Um, and I'd been working with her for six months. Like I could, I could walk again. I was so much stronger. I was pretty good. Amazing. I wasn't great, but you know, from where I'd come from, we were doing really, really well. And one night I just had this, like, just this thought in my head. And I was like, why don't I study kinesiology? And it was just this random thought that popped into my head because I'd been kind of like looking at things like Reiki or like energy healing. I didn't know much about it. I was like, oh, no, no. Like I kind of would like to learn something maybe like kinesiology. And I kept saying like, I want something like kinesiology. <laughs> like why don't I just do kinesiology? So I started kind of Googling it and figuring out like, what do you actually have to do to become a kinesiologist? Because I love collecting qualifications. I do anything that I can to get a certificate, <laughs> diploma, whatever. I just love learning yeah. stuff. So I was like, yeah, let's have a look into it. Um, I saw that there was a kinesiology course starting in February. So this was December. Um, and I just sent an email across to the to the college and I was like, oh, I'm just interested. Can you send me more information? They basically said, sure, there's only one spot left though. Um, and enrollment's closed. <laughs> enrollment's closed. I think it was tomorrow or the next day. So <laughs> let me know. And I was just like, oh yeah, sure. Just like put me in, just put me in. And I just sent off this email. And then afterwards I was like, oh God, what have I done? 
like what what I really didn't think it through and then I was like no I think this is actually like a really good idea I think I really need to do this I really want to do this and then I was like oh no I'm gonna have to like oh I'm gonna tell my parents that I'm gonna go and study this crazy thing like what am I Mm -hmm. doing um so I went back to my physio and I was like, oh, I did something crazy. She was like, what have you done? I was like, I signed up for a course and it starts in like three months time. And she was like, okay, okay, we can work with that. We can work <laughs> with that. And I was like, yeah, she's like, okay, let's think about it. Like how long are your days? Like, okay, it's nine to five, two days a week. Let's really work on building muscles where you can sit in a chair and like really hold up your body weight. Like, let's think about the positions that you're going to be in. Let's think about how you can take rests. Let's think about all these things. So she was like really working with me functionally to be able to physically go to a classroom and sit in a classroom without collapsing. Um, she sounds so incredible by the way. She's the most amazing person ever. I love her so much. She was such a good, like, she's so talented and skilled at what she does. She actually even, like, just helped me understand chronic pain, chronic illness so much yeah. more. You know, she had amazing training as a as a physio compared to chronic fatigue specialists that I'd been to, pain mm-hmm. specialists that I'd been to. I got absolutely nothing. But the level of knowledge that she had was just so amazing just the way that she was able to support me as well. It was, she was like my best friend at the time. And it was honestly like kind of sad when I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, I don't have to go and see Lauren anymore. Like, oh, (laughs) cause I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed the session so much. Um, so yeah, course came around in at the very end of February, I think it was. Mm. Um, and then we had sort of two weeks in class and literally only two weeks yeah and then lockdown (laughs) happened so I think in total we had three or four days that we were in class and that was it so three or four days in those three or four days they were they pushed my body to the absolute limits I was struggling 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 to say (laughs) the least um so when we ended up moving on to zoom and doing our classes online it was really a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. for me because I don't know how well my body would have held up continuing to do that. I'm not sure if I actually would have been able to, you know, get through the classes. Yeah. Um, so I was able to just kind of like sit on the couch or like lie in bed and do our classes apart from when we were, you know, practicing and stuff like that. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really good for my body. It was kind of what it needed Um, and then I remember that they had to kind of restructure our course a little bit Mm. because we obviously couldn't do a lot of stuff because it's very hands-on therapy, believe it or not, um, that we couldn't do, um, because we were online. So they moved like the, um, counseling component of our course to the very beginning of our course. So we were going to do counseling training, um, learning some therapy skills. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, Oh no 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 no! no. I'm not interested. That was like, not I do not do feelings. <laughs> I'm not into these emotions. We don't do that stuff. Not into yeah. it. I don't want to do it. I'm not interested. So I went into these classes and I was just like, oh my god, oh god. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't like it. I'm so uncomfortable. 
Um, and that was like one of the biggest hurdles that I faced in the course mm. was actually dealing with my own emotions. Um, and I didn't realize how much of the course was going to be about facing your own stuff before oh. you can start working on others naturally. Um, so that was the most challenging part where I had to kind of start to learn the importance of feelings, how to process them. I'd never, like, I feel like I'd never felt an emotion before in my life. I obviously had, but I didn't, you know, put any importance or understand why they're important at all. So that was really challenging. Um, and I remember one of the classes that we did, it is probably one of the most memorable experiences from the course was we were always being used as, you know, kind of like test subjects and the teacher would work on someone and everyone in the class would watch and, you know, learn through watching what the teacher was doing. So I got used as a test subject and I was so reluctant. I did not want to be doing I, it. Hated can it. I just say <laughs> to anyone listening, Amber never put her hand up. No, she was, was like the a statue. Quiet, I was like quiet. She would be like, I was like, nah. be like in the wallpaper <laughs> being like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And this one time, I hope you don't mind me saying that. Yeah, this go one for time, it. our lecturer who was the most beautiful soul, we love her. Um, she was like, Amber, I think it's time. And it's funny because we all, you know, we were all such a big family, weren't we? Um, and yeah. we're all just like, we've got you, we're holding you, you're good. Like, I remember us sending yeah. all these messages to Amber going, you're good, we've got you if you need yeah. this. <laughs> but, yeah, keep on going. I just had to add that because I just remember oh, that totally. so vividly. I know. Well, before, like, I kind of, kind of call it, like, my kinesiology transformation. Like, before <laughs> I kind of had this transformation, I was the type of person that, like, I was like, I hate people. Like, I don't like people. Like, you know, like I just sit in a room and I just like kind of stare at the floor, just hoping people wouldn't talk to me. Um, it was, it's kind of funny to like look back on, like even some of the so people funny. in our course, they when they're like, oh, I remember meeting you on the first day and like you yes. didn't really say much or like you didn't really. So it feels like, a kind of feels like a lifetime ago now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did this balance where I got used as the demo and I was like hating every moment of it um but it turned out to be the actual balance that kind of created like a snowball effect for me so um it was this balance that our teacher he's so talented but he has a bit of a um uh an iron fist shall we say he's a bit rough he's a bit rough he's not gonna he kind of right sugarcoat to things it, for he? you he's yeah, like an arrow right hard. to the root and you're just like oh yeah and you're just standing there raw in front of all these people being like oh no I don't want to do this um and it all kind of came down to like a really big sort of belief that I had that I didn't know that I had um about kind of needing to do and needing to prove my worth to other people um and it was all about being and feeling worthy regardless of what it is that I do and that was so important because it <clears throat> it kind of summed up 
when I'm sick and I'm lying on the couch, I'm not feeling worthy because I'm not doing anything. I can't rest because I feel like I need to be pushing. I need, I need to be doing something. I need to be proving myself because I don't, I'm not worthy when I'm just sitting here doing nothing. Um, and it was this, it was just so ingrained and, you know, lots of people have this belief as well. It's just kind of the world that we live in, unfortunately, that like you have to be busy and doing, and if you're not doing like you're being lazy and blah, blah, blah. So that was the biggest one for me where I realized like, oh, even if I am just here doing nothing, I'm actually still like a good person. I'm Mm. still actually like bringing something to this world I'm not just like you know a little blob of a human being doing nothing I still have value I still have worth and um it was a hard belief to kind of change in my brain but as that sort of clicked in over the next like I'd say probably two weeks um things were like kind of just changing in my perspective. I was feeling so much more calm in my body. I was feeling like I was kind of able to just like rest without feeling the kind of guilt or the pressure that I had for, I mean, like eight years at the time. I think it was eight years. Um, And then, yeah, like two weeks later, I just woke up one morning and I was like, wait a minute. Like, why don't I feel like, why doesn't my back hurt? Like, wait, why am I tired today? And it was like magic. I just woke up one morning and I just felt like that. And the the contrast of how I felt was so different that it was like, it was shocking. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? And it's not like it wore off. Like it didn't, it, it didn't come back and it just started snowballing. And every day I started feeling a little bit better um it was still an extremely long process from that point but it was just yeah. like that was the thing that started the the snowball effect and um and it's funny like yeah, that mind body connection is so and that's that's what we're going to be talking about so much in this podcast like the mind body connection mm. is so huge like like you were saying that yep. emotional side um yeah is such a big factor especially for yeah. you yeah and i had no idea once I started learning about, you know, emotions, how they're stored in the body, I yep. had no idea how many years of grief, sadness, depression, loss, just all of these feelings that I had experienced through being so sick for such a long time had just accumulated in my body and just kept being pushed down. They have to go somewhere and they were just getting stuck. They were getting stuck. They were they were coming out as as pain. They were coming out as the weakness, the tiredness. They were all in there. I just didn't know that they were. I didn't know how to deal with them. And when they're just building up and building up, they have to come out somehow. So yeah. kind of how I like look at it is, you know, when I've had these rock bottom moments where my body is kind of like, you know, collapse, especially the sort of stroke-like ones. It's almost like all of these emotions had nowhere to go that they just kind of like blew, they blew out. They just kind of blew your body up a little bit and was like, hey, can you stop? Just Just stop stop and rest. Just stop. Just be with your body right now. I'm going to force you to do absolutely nothing until you figure out that you need to stop and do absolutely nothing. You need to just be with yourself and actually face what's going on inside your body, inside your mind, inside your own 
life. And that was, that's kind of the, the takeaway for me was just that, yeah, my body needed to stop and I had to actually be with myself and figure out what it is that I wanted in life and trying to get out of the sort of survival mode of just like trying to get through a day. There's just so much more to it as well. And even like with people that I, I work with, with chronic pain and chronic fatigue, one of the biggest things when you kind of ask them, like, what do you want? What would you, what do you want out of life? What do you want to feel? What do you want to achieve? And the answer I'd say most of the time is I just don't want to, I don't want to be in pain. And you have to say, I know that you don't want to be in pain, but what else do you want? There's so much more that's not living, just not being in pain. That's not, that's not a goal. That's not something that you want to achieve. That's not something that we're working towards. It's like you're trying to get out of survival, but you can't see that there's so much more waiting for you on the other side because you're just, you're just stuck there. So that's probably the most challenging part is kind of trying to see what it is that you really want to what do you want what do you want to achieve what do you want to create what life do you want that was the biggest thing for me as well of trying to figure out that there is you know a bit of an alternative lifestyle waiting um and and discovering it and going for it it's so huge like and and even the transformation in yourself, like you've mm-hmm. changed from knowing you from the beginning of our course where you were, you know, you were so quiet, you were so to yourself um, to mm-hmm. now you're so confident and you're so much more you. You're, you're absolutely, you've come home to yourself. Really. That's what, that's what we're, that's what we're saying here. What else totally. has helped since, so since that big kind of transition and transformation during the course with our lecturer, mm. what other things have kind of helped you along the way and how else have, how has your healing journey kind of adapted or changed or what has it yeah. looked like for you? So people ask me this one a lot as well. So it's kind of like, oh, so, you know, you were sick for such a long time. You had to do all these things to kind of maintain your body. You were going to doctors, Cairo, physio, you are doing like seven appointments a week. So what do you have to keep doing now? And I don't have to do anything. I don't see anyone. I'm not going to anyone. I'm just living my life. And it was like a long journey to go there, but it really was the, the emotional processing and, and continuing to do that with kinesiology was the thing that there was just so many layers. And there was even just this understanding that I had to um, kind of come to in understanding what was happening before, like just before I got sick in the first place. There's a reason why, you know, when you get glandular fever, there's a reason why only 5% of people, you know, develop Mm -hmm. chronic fatigue. So why was I part of that 5%? What was happening in my body that my system wasn't strong enough to fight, you know, fight the infection off? What was happening for me stress-wise, lifestyle-wise, all that kind of stuff? Um, And it really kind of came back to like a similar theme of what I discovered through kinesiology was just that I wasn't living the life that was intended for me. I was just doing what I thought I was meant to do. I was doing what, 
you know, it was kind of like I had created a person that I was meant to be through, you know, mostly external expectations. You know, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be successful. I'm smart. I'm this, I'm that, and that. But that wasn't where I was meant to go. It was just kind of like I didn't have an alternative. So I was just pushing on that path that I really wasn't even interested in or invested in really. Um, And it was about just kind of acknowledging the struggles that I was already having before I got sick. I was, I kind of looked back to my life before and I would always be like, oh, I just want to go back to how it was before. Like, I wish I wasn't sick. I just want to go back to how it was. But I realized that I wasn't happy before anyway. So why would I want to go back to that? Because it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, but I just didn't realize that at the time. So I just had to do a lot of work around processing, yeah, what was going on before, how I handled when I did get sick, um, processing a lot of the, it really does come down to a lot of loss, lost opportunities. Yeah. You're watching people, especially when you're young, you're only 19 and you're watching, you know, all your peers go off and get their first jobs and they're finishing uni they're creating their lives, they're starting their lives, they're discovering themselves. And I felt like I didn't have the same opportunities that everyone else did to experience that. So I was feeling like I was missing out on everything. I felt like I was experiencing such loss. I felt like I was losing friends. I lost so many friends, so many relationships. I was so misunderstood. There was just so much sadness and grief in there that that was just the biggest part of my healing was just that emotional healing. And once you started to kind of let all of that out, the body just naturally just healed itself. It feels like a little bit of magic, but it (laughs) just naturally, your body knows exactly what to do. Uh, Um, And it wants to go into homeostasis. It wants to go back into, it wants to get into balance, really. It wants Mm -hmm. to get into alignment. Absolutely. So my body, it, it just naturally it did that. I didn't have to do anything special to kind of yeah. get there. But your body knows how to heal itself. Um, it's just I didn't know what needed to be healed. I thought it was my body, but it was not my body that needed to be healed. It was actually, you know, that inner self that really needed to be healed, that needed the attention. So, um, yeah, it just all unraveled and unfolded as simple as it's. It's a very long road. It was a very long journey. Yeah, it was, it was easy of, at the end of the day. Oh, so much, so much inner work, really. Like there's, so, yeah. like you said, the layers are huge. And what about mm-hmm. because I know you, um, mm. and I, I was with you during your transformation, but also my transformation. Like we changed yes. both so much in that year and a half that we're in college. Yes. What about that identity? Because I think that's like a huge part, especially when Mm. you are unwell, you've got chronic fatigue or whatever's going on. Sometimes the identity can be there too. Like you identify with being Mm. like unwell or the unwell person, the sick person. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That was so huge of I am the sick person person. I am a sick person. I'll never be anything but a sick person, especially when there's no, there's no cure. There's no way out. So you're just a sick person. You think that accepting that you are a sick person is, you know, going to be beneficial for you, but it's actually the opposite. So I, even just with how many appointments that I'd go to every week, I used to say that it was like, 
I already had a full-time job because I was going to these appointments all the time. I had no time for a full-time job because I had a full-time job being a sick person. Um, And it was, yeah, it was really, you obviously have to adopt that identity. It's like a survival technique. Like like what else are you going to do? You have to be the, the sick person. You have to embrace it. Um, and accept but, help as well and support and all of that kind of stuff from yeah. your loved ones oh, from doctors I wasn't or whatever. Good at that. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. good at that. Most sick people aren't very good at accepting <laughs> the actual support and the help. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll soldier yeah. on. I'll be a martyr. I'll do it myself. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Um, but that was the hardest yeah, the hardest thing to change was actually seeing yourself as a sick person. Um, And as I started changing, there was a really interesting transition period that happened as well, where I wasn't sick anymore, but I also didn't feel like I was healthy anymore. And so I had absolutely no idea who I was, Mm. which was really interesting. Um, And I couldn't figure out a way to sort of bridge the two it was kind of like oh I can't let go of the sickness because you know it's the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life I've been sick for so long and it it defines me I can't let go of it because then it's all for nothing but the whole point is you have to let it go in order to embrace what's what's coming for you next you're new it doesn't have to be an identity but it's just the life that's coming for you you do have to let go of it and that's super challenging oh yeah oh yeah let it all go (laughs) yeah but I also had a very interesting balance with you um where you got a little message actually from a relative of mine that I didn't know that's right at the time yeah um and you got this message of like seeing me looking in the mirror, looking at myself like I was a a sick person. And Mm. you got the message that you need to stop looking in the mirror in that way. Like it's time you're not, you're not looking at yourself in the right reflection anymore. That's not your reflection anymore. Um, And that was a big, um, a big kind of realization for me as well, where I just had to be like, okay, well, I'm not a sick person anymore, but then what am I? And it was so hard to figure it out. But you don't have to be anything. You really don't have to be anything. It's just the attachment to, to, you know, how I survived all those years is just like I'm a sick person, so I have an excuse. I'm sick. Um, And when that's gone, it's really challenging. (laughs) Oh, everything opens up, right? It can be so overwhelming and so daunting. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so, so talking to the people in our beautiful community, what mm. would you like to share with them about your journey and what you do yep. in clinic and all of that good stuff? Yes. Yeah, so naturally the kind of practitioner that I have become just based on sort of personal experience is that I deal with a lot of chronic pain chronic fatigue, chronic illness patients now. Um, So everyone's in different phases of healing. Everyone experiences, you know, even chronic fatigue, you can have such mild forms, you can have such severe forms, you can be housebound, you can be bedbound. Everyone 
is in a different stage of that journey. Um, and I love working with, I, I think I like to call them kind of mystery cases mm. where you've been kind of like thrown out by medicine and be like, oh, I don't know, you're just, you're too hard. I can't yep. fix that. Um, and that's the experience of so many people that come to see me. They're coming to me in the same way that when I was searching for a kinesiologist, I was, mm. I was desperate. I was like, I don't care. I'm trying anything. People come to me with that same kind of attitude. They're open-minded and they're interested in, in trying it. Um, and we just go on a little bit of a, a journey together, both looking at, you know, physical health, your nutritional health, but, you know, your beliefs, your nervous system, your survival patterns, your attitudes that you've just developed to being in pain, to being yeah. like living with this illness. Those are the most important things that we have to start to unravel is how you are looking at your illness and how we can start to move away from identifying with it so intensely and also reducing like we've just got these kind of, you know, with our nervous system, we've just got these like danger responses that are so ingrained when we've been living with pain, fatigue. There's all these things that make us feel worse, that make us feel horrible, that flare us up. Everything starts to become dangerous. Daily life becomes dangerous. And it's about us trying to start to reframe those, um, but also reducing how the body is responding to those dangers that we've kind of identified starting to neutralize them and that's kind of where the biggest improvements in health come from that I see but um yeah I'm so passionate about physical illness and mysterious I illnesses I just love them <laughs> and I love that you love it so much because even like there's people that I see in clinic that I'm like go and mm -hmm. see Amber she's like incredible and I see Amber um, you yep. are a kinesiologist <laughs> for me. So, um, I love what you do. I love what you do. I love hearing about, you know, your healing journey, because I think every time you mention it, I learn something new and I'm like, gosh, I can't believe you went through that. Like, I can't believe you yeah. experienced that. And a lot happens in like, it is eight years of illness. And yeah. like sometimes, you know, I was even telling someone the other day about something that happened when I was sick and they're like, what? I've never heard that before. And it's like, well, you know, there was a lot happening during that time. It's a long time. <laughs> a it is a long on. time. And the thing is, everyone's <laughs> journey, like you were mentioning with your clients, everyone's journey is so different and it's going to look different. And Mm. The thing is, you know, we've both experienced kinesiology and we've gone into kinesiology and we always say it's not for everyone, but yeah. we, we have the privilege now to really help guide and help support our community. Um, and Absolutely. you do it so well with, you know, chronic pain, chronic illness, all of that kind of stuff. And the mystery well, cases. Thank you. I love You do mysteries. it so well. You do it so well. I love it. And well, I love it's you. one of those it's one of those things that it's like, you know, you have to go through these things for a reason and you've learned the hard way. So you've got to be able to share all of that information that you struggled your way through and just be able to make it a little bit easier for, for whoever needs it as well, because there's really not that much information out there. Everything's so conflicting. Yeah. You have absolutely no idea where to start, which is, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary how limited it is. Mm. it's yeah it's crazy but at least for the people that are listening that know someone 
that maybe has experienced it or is experiencing it, um, they can listen to this beautiful story, your healing journey, and, um, yeah, learn a little bit more about what you do, which, like I said, we love. We love. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you you. want to add, Amber? No, that's pretty much my story, isn't it? <laughs> it feels it feels funny. It's so hard to even you it's know so hard to remember, kind of everything, remember isn't it? everything. It's like, oh, what happened to me again? <laughs> and then and you always when find it feels so distant. <laughs> yes, and you always find that when you're talking, something else comes up, and you're like, geez, I haven't thought of that for like four years, or something exactly. like that. Always, <laughs> always. But um, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing so much about what you've gone through because I know thank people you. love to uh, love to hear it but also appreciate hearing it so yeah thank you for yep. sharing so much I hope all those chronic illness sufferers out mm. there know they're not alone and they absolutely can recover it, it's definitely possible I never thought it'd be possible but it is <laughs> that's so cool that's so cool all right well let's finish up today thank you everyone for listening to this episode um me and Amber are just so overjoyed to uh be sharing our experience and what we do with you guys so sending you so much love take care everyone and thanks everyone we'll see you next thanks time for listening see you next time bye